The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Welcome to a good football show. I am Matt Straub. It is Thursday, June 23rd. And today on the show, we are going to be conducting our latest live best ball draft. I'm joined by Pat Crane and Kyle Dvorak, who happen to be our drafters today. Now, when we last did this a few weeks ago, as you may remember, we threw an early drafter, non-early drafter, Pat Doherty into the fire. Today we have you two. We're we're underway here, guys. Is that is, what's the story? What's happening? Have you guys picked yet? We have we haven't made our picks yet. We pick eight and nine. Karain has eight. I have nine. And uh, okay. yeah, this was already. I'm already so much more anxious for this than I was where me and Karain just get to sit back and hang out and watch Pat Darty draft. Now I'm like trying to juggle ten different things. I'm like, this is. I'm writing this off. I'm a hundred percent. You know, going to going to our boss Ed or going to to even Ray, like our coordinator, and be like, I need a $25 expense. I missed this festival mania. I've just, I botched it. <laughs> so yeah. the first three picks are Taylor Cup McCaffrey. Is that, am um, I reading this screen correctly? You are reading it correctly. Okay, so number four is now on the clock. No real shocker so far. I know you guys are about to pick. What do you intend to do differently than what Pat Doherty did last when last he was here? Any takeaways from what he did? Well, you know, we're trying to keep this under an hour, so uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I, I have not gotten an early pick uh, in one of these best ball manias in like, I want to say the month of June. So here I am sitting at the eight. So I've gotten very comfortable with the eight. The eight is about as early as I get. I'm normally at the okay. at the 11 or later. Um, but it's, it's I, I feel like I've become a little bit comfortable here with this, but it is tough because... I don't know. I can't really remember a more locked in top five than we have mm-hmm. this year. And then after that, it's like you can do whatever you want at six. Um, as I say that, of course, someone takes Dalvin Cook at five say. ahead of Jamar Chase, which is that's a take. So yeah, so there's, there's Chase six. Uh, okay. and... There's nothing. There's nothing better. Like the best best ball sweat is just sweating like two people making two more bad picks to make you get like you know Chase falls one spot, two spots, mm-hmm. something like that. So. Corrine, you just took Stefan Diggs eighth with Derrick Henry, Jamar Chase, and Dalvin Cook, and Justin Jefferson going four through seven. Yeah, I take Diggs a lot here, um, generally, but also like with Kyle, I had to figure any good wide receiver was going to get snapped up on the way back. So I was kind of doing two v twos in my head. I was like, you know, you take Eckler, who I think is really quite a good pick there at eight. Uh, He was available. I was thinking like I can probably get a running back. I like in the second round um, to go with Diggs more than Eckler plus whatever wide receiver Kyle's going to leave me with. So after Kyle took Eckler at nine, Najee Harris, Devontae Adams, and we're coming down to 12. Any surprises there? Like, is that kind of what you're seeing with Devontae Adams right now in particular, like right around that that turn, close to the turn? Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty par for the course. Pat, are you getting much Devonte Adams? Like, I don't know. I, I feel like uh, the excitement for me is just not there when it's not the like I feel locked in for twelve touchdowns. I don't feel locked in for like twelve touchdowns, and twelve isn't like an incredible number. But you were like, the floor is set at twelve if he plays sixteen or seventeen now games with Aaron Rodgers. I don't feel that incredibly confident in that. No, and I'm also not quite as bullish on the offense as as some other people are, and I've seen some really sharp people be quite bullish on the offense. Uh, but the offensive line's not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I could see, like, Adams feels like a 
touch price me. I could also see him falling a bit if guys like Saquon, Leonard Fournette, like those running backs start to make their way up the board as more casuals come into the summer. I wonder if Adams falls a couple couple spots. So CD Lamb 13, Debo Samuel 14, DeAndre Swift 15, Mike Evans 16. That was you, Kyle, taking Mike Evans, correct? Yes, I I mean, he goes every name wide receiver. They go higher on underdog and I've been getting more action down on DraftKings. But uh, yeah, I find myself taking a lot of Mike Evans like he, I feel like there's not a great threat that he posts 1800 yards. He doesn't doesn't do the Cooper Cup, right? It seems unlikely, not impossible, but relatively unlikely. But I feel so confident that like we are pretty much locking ourselves in. It's the it's the Devontae Adams thing. We're locking ourselves in for like a dozen touchdowns and 12, yeah. 1100 yards. And there's still like room for him to run hot. I don't think he ever reaches Cooper cup. Like almost no players ever reach Cooper cup. But uh, I, I think the steadiness with which he has produced his entire career at, at no, like literally no non 1000 yard seasons kind of dulls us to the fact that uh, he is just really good. Now the competition for targets is as weak as it's ever been with Brady, right? I think Antonio Brown to Russell Gage is a downgrade. Uh, I know Gronk to uh, Cameron Bray or a rookie or a rookie. Well, it could be Kate Otten or a uh, free agent, Jared Cook, whatever. Uh, that is a pretty significant downgrade. And uh, then Chris Godwin doesn't, uh, I could see him starting on the pup list, right? Pup is only four weeks now, I believe. But man, you could get some massive games, uh, especially in that first like four to five week range. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm not taking much Evans because, you know, as we know, Kyle, we're playing for the playoffs here. It feels like, you know, Evans' advance rate probably will be very good, but it feels pricey for what's probably the wide receiver two in the fantasy playoffs uh, in Tampa Bay. So, I don't know. It's, it's he's a guy that I've been either going with like Debo Samuel or some of the running backs in this range. Mark Andrews. I, I don't have a ton of Evans. Well, look, if I could have gotten Debo Samuel, I would have, I would have taken Debo Samuel there. But uh, I, I did think it was especially like he was like up there for the last of like the wide receiver ones I had the option to take, and uh, it was either that or wait again to take a wide receiver and on underdog. Like you were at a a very high threat level of just getting pinched out of any good wide receivers, like the elite mm-hmm. wide receivers. After the Mike Evans pick, it was Aaron Jones to Ukraine. And we had Joe Mixon, 18, Mark Andrews, 19, Alvin Kamara, 20, Tyreek Hill, Nick Chubb, Javante Williams, T Higgins. And uh, was that Mike Williams? Mike Williams, yeah. 25. Uh, what do you guys think about Kamara, Kyle? Like after, after last year, the weirdness of last year with Kamara, are you confident in him bouncing back? Is this a guy you're drafting much at this point? I haven't gotten much Kamara. I really haven't been buying this offense. And I, I think like in theory, I think James Winston could be really interesting, but we saw how they wanted to play with James Winston last year, which is like try and squeeze more efficiency and less mistakes out of him. But that really comes to the expense of the passing attack. And normally for running back, I'm like, oh, that's great. More, more carries. But that's not what you want Alvin Kamara, right? So I, I think he's maybe fine, maybe even a little overpriced based on where he goes. Because like, I don't, I get that there's a talent differential, but like, I don't see that much difference between him and like Leonard Fournette by usage, right? Or there may not actually be a talent differential between him and Saquon Barkley. It could just be the offense. But like, are we so much more convinced that someone that like the offense now, uh, the entire regime change in New York could not make that offense better than uh, New Orleans? I think it could happen. So I don't find myself taking much Camara. And we just saw the guy have 240 carries a career high. That's actually not what we want. We, we, we <laughs> exactly. don't right. want the guy slamming into walls. So like 99% of the time, like, of course, give my running back more carries. More volume is great. But like, it's, this is the outlier, right? This is where we have to like be a little more nitpicky with how we take our players. And uh, I find myself saying, no, don't give me the more carries, unfortunately. Well, and Kamara, like the conversation with him doesn't seem to include the risk of a suspension right now. That's true. Mm-hmm. And... And I think there is a risk of a suspension, yeah. which leads me to think like, okay, if we're having this conversation just basically based around his role, the offense, what he did last year, then if he gets suspended, his ADP probably declines by maybe like a round. And if he doesn't get suspended, does that, like does his ADP go up, or is this kind of are we are we really even pricing that in? So I kind mm-hmm. of feel like I, I I will get my Camara once we have more clarity on that. We're talking about Kamara at 20, Saquon Barkley at 30, Kyle, who actually you're drafting. So I'm going to ask Karain, who just took Kyle Pitts. I mean, 
seems like a no-brainer to just wait on Saquon. I don't know how typical that is to see him go 10 spots afterward, but. Yeah, I tend to find that if you're in the middle, one of the I think the 105 is probably the best spot in the draft because you're getting, uh, oh. or the 106 if someone's going to take Cook mm-hmm. at the 105. <laughs> but you, you want to get, I think, the last of that tier. I mean, any any top five pick is great this year. But, you know, when you have the last of that tier, then often one of those running backs in the third will fall. So in this draft, Saquon Barkley fell all, to, all the way to the 306. Say, uh, Leonard Fournette almost fell to the 305. He went 304. So if you're in that pocket, um, let's say in the four, four hole or the five hole, you're getting most of the time one of those falling running backs or a wide receiver who's pretty nice. In this case, A.J. Brown goes 305. Love that pick. So I feel like the the people kind of in that really like three through five range are winning twice. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting you're getting someone from that tier, but then you're also getting the the end of the third round tier because I feel like there's a pretty pretty severe drop off at least at running back and wide receiver that occurs after that last running back goes off. So just a quick reset. You mentioned AJ Brown going 29th overall, Saquon Barkley 30th, Keenan Allen, Kyle Pitts to you, Corinne. Hollywood Brown to you, Kyle, then Jalen Waddle, Cortland Sutton, Mahomes, Connor, and Jerry Judy. Uh, Kyle, I want to hear about the Hollywood Brown pick, but you're picking right now. This is uncanny how right when I'm about to throw it to you, it's your pick. After you pick, I want to hear about this pick and your Hollywood Brown pick. I'm also curious what you guys think about uh, Cortland Sutton at 35. I made the Hollywood Brown pick, and I kind of was like, ah, maybe I would have rather had a Cortland Sutton. But thats I think it's maybe splitting a little bit of hairs. I do think uh, if we see more of the DeAndre Hopkins fall, which is absolutely like a contingent if. I'm not like strongly predicting it. But if he's not the DeAndre Hopkins we've seen in previous years, he was not last year at all. He had like a 12% uh, target share decline from his peak, which was like four years ago, to last year. He is kind of trickled down and then last year was a big fall off then having young fairly talented Marquise Brown who has already played with Kyler Murray before having him as the number one receiver with Kyler Murray who is a sick deep ball thrower and matches up with the skill set of Brown well I think that could be like I think that's a lot of tail end ceiling even if I think I probably gave up a good bit of floor by not drafting like Deontay Johnson or or Cortland Sutton yeah, I like Sutton because um, I do think he gives you some floor, but also a lot of ceiling. Because uh, I do think that offense could be pretty pretty nice for fantasy. He's he's a little bit more of a wild card, I think, than Brown. Mm-hmm. Brown's kind of that same Evans profile where he should start the season pretty hot, but maybe. And I, this could be totally off, but my take with with uh, Brown is like maybe he's a better shot to. I, I think what it comes down to is I'm just probably more bullish on the Cardinals and Kyler Murray than I am on the Buccaneers because Evans obviously could have big spike weeks in the playoffs. He, he gets downfield. He's used in the, in the red zone, but with Brown, you kind of have that similar profile and he's coming quite a bit cheaper. So I, I do find myself taking Brown a fair amount. Even though it might be, it may end up being the number two receiver for his team, which now nah, you say that I don't like that thought as much. I don't think I, <laughs> I don't think drafting a number two receiver on his team is uh smart that high in the draft. And now you're immediately talking and regretting it. But the Bucks' schedule in weeks one and two, weeks one and two, rounds one and two of the playoffs is is very, very nice. Like, they could be very high potential for shootouts in the Bengals. great schedule, yeah. Yeah, they get the Bengals and then the Cardinals, which also I actually did think about the Hollywood connection. I was like, well, if that propels me to make the final round, uh, it is a very useful correlation to have. Cause, like, obviously, week 17 matters, but, like, also, you get a lot of value by having high-scoring matchups in weeks uh, 15 and 16. So it is nice to have the full run, the you know the clear runway up to week 17 as well. I'm not sure if you heard, but Hollywood Brown also played with Kyler Murray, guys, in college. Wow. You may, you Where did they heard, go to college? You may have heard <laughs> That's a fun fact. Note, note that down. We'll have, to check. we'll have to check where they went to college. Gabriel Davis goes right on his ADP at 50. So you love to see that, followed by Godwin, DK Metcalf, George Kittle, you guys are coming back around here. And last time through, you went Cam Akers, Kyle, at number 40. Karane, you went Deontay Johnson at number 41. How are we feeling so far? You guys feeling feeling good? I'm feeling okay. Uh, getting Kyle Pitts in the third round felt good. Uh, I was going to take someone, him if you didn't take him. So, Yeah, he falls so consistently now um, to the kind of the late third, even to the 
I mean, I actually don't know how late he could fall because I, as I said, I always draft in the back half. <laughs> and so like literally every single draft. And so I don't know what would happen if I didn't take him. Cause I take, I've been taking Kyle Pitts in like every single draft. Cause he's been falling. I get him at the three twelve. I get him at the three eleven earlier. Um, it's actually affecting what I'm doing. Like if I'm in the middle of the, or, you know, middle ish, um, like in this draft, I think I would have taken Mark Andrews over Aaron Jones had I not been so confident that Kyle Pitts would come back in the third. It's actually changing how I'm approaching Mark Andrews, which is maybe not ideal because I do like Mark Andrews uh, and I don't want to be underweight. But I don't know. I mean, late third round Kyle Pitts just seems like an inefficiency. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Ben Gretsch about this and he was saying, like, if he was a wide receiver, wouldn't we prefer him to waddle? Like, why? Like, yeah. So okay, so why why am I getting him after Waddle and he has tight end eligibility? It's you don't have to make this argument to me. I was saying the last time, uh, maybe not the last time. I don't know. One of the past times in the month we were on together, I was saying like, of course I love Mark Andrews, but the price discount to a player like Kyle Pitts, I don't think is warranted. I think there should be a much tighter gap, and maybe that doesn't mean that Mark Andrews being drafted too high, right? Maybe you look at the other way, and it's just that Pitts is too low, and we should be taking Pitts up. But either way, you're only playing one tight end unless you're throwing one in the flex, and I think the values is. I want to say it's significantly better on Kyle Pitts. I don't know if you guys have heard, but people aren't that thrilled about the Falcons in general. So I also think you're getting a little bit of a Falcons-related discount as well. Plus, you're talking about Kyle Pitts, a guy who did go over 1,000 yards but only had the one touchdown last year. you got to think people you know, are, are thinking about that as well, whether whether that's sound logic or not, right? Uh, Pat, hurry up. Tell me what you found on your uh, quarterback article because I have a chance to take a uh, quarterback here. Just give me the answers. I'm still I'm still in the weeds on that. Publish it, publish it. Hurry. I think I would generally say for this contest, you you probably want to make a bigger bet on Kyler than to take another quarterback right there. Yeah, I, I don't think I was ever going to, but uh, I do. Well, I was looking at Eagles players as kind of top of mind because uh, Devon Smith and Jalen Hurts were there, and I was curious. I also was looking at. Um, I think it was uh, are you. You said. Uh, Connor Driscoll once and I was like I don't know who that is they sound like a good writer then I realized you were referencing uh, Drico out on Twitter Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it was his article or one of the Rotoviz writers articles about uh, taking multiple of the elite tight ends and this is actually it's not just this year right we talked about it in previous years and that kind of reminded me of your conversation about the multiple elite quarterbacks or we briefly talked about this on the last show we were on where I think it probably is actually a really maybe plus EV way to advance out of your uh, out of your group right out of your first 12 team league Especially like when I in the context like the double elite tight end, which I'll ask you if you're doing in a minute. But you were just vacuuming up so many of the pool of tight end points if you hit on like we get Mark Andrews from last year and Kyle Pitts improves in touchdowns, right? There just aren't many other ways to score tight end points. But then you get into the first round of playoffs and the second round of playoffs, and you're probably just playing one of them, right? And with quarterback, you were literally only playing one of them unless it's super flex. And that second spot is giving up so many points that could have been uh, you know, a Cortland Sutton, right? If you were taking like one of the first quarterbacks off the board or something. So you're giving up one of these flex spots, a receiver spot, whatever. And it helped you advance, but I would imagine it does hurt you enough in the next two to three uh, playoff rounds that I don't think I would be like doubling up on like Kelsey Pitts or something like that. And the same with like the super elite quarterbacks. Like I, like, I would cut that off at like the first five quarterbacks. I think especially for week 17, the double elite quarterback is probably hurting you. Because you have to take down a big field. It's like over 400 people that are in the final for this tournament. And if you're giving up your fifth round pick after taking a guy in the fourth round, you know what I mean? If you're truly going like, I mean, mm-hmm. you would take what Kyle, so it would have been like fifth and sixth for you if you had taken Hertz. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a guy in the fifth or sixth round that you're really going to want to have in week 17. And this team would, by definition, not have that guy. Uh, I think that probably really hurts you in a big final week like that. I actually am more open to it for advancing teams to week 17, or if you're in a smaller tournament, like DraftKings has a, a tor- I think it's $20, uh, 20 teams in the final. Oh. If you only have to have the best team out of 20, maybe you don't need, maybe you just need to slot a ton of points into the quarterback position and it doesn't matter so much how you get there. Like, you know, so, and you're only competing against 19 other teams. So maybe there's maybe the teams that have that guy in the fifth or sixth um, that you need also they're kind of screwed something else up. I don't think the teams are going to be perfect. That's kind of where my head's at right now on it. 
Uh, do you feel right. the same way about the double elite tight end? Because obviously you can flex one of the tight ends, but generally you are not going to get the same type of like, like you're never, almost never, not never, but almost never going to get like a Jamar Chase stat line from uh, Kyle Pitts or like Travis Kelsey or whatever, right? You're more likely to get the 150 yard game from uh, from a receiver or a running back, obviously. I'm torn on that. I do it when I get a crazy value on one of the tight ends. Um, or before I kind of realized what was going on with Pitts ADP, like I took Kelsey at the 112 and then I got Pitts at the 312. And I just did that because I, I think that's pretty awesome. But it's more, I think, like maybe you get a Kelsey team into week 17 that very, very few people have because you had to have Pitts to get to week 17, something like that. So I think it's like you probably need things to break a little bit specifically, but if they do, you could be you could be in really good shape. So, Corinne, you're now on the clock with pick 80 overall after just taking Jalen Hurts, preceded by Rashad Bateman with your last two picks. Do, do you know what this is pick it, is right now? Is it collusion if I if I tell Corinne to run out the clock so I can look up a schedule? <laughs> I, you know what, Although, yeah, I'm not going to. So I'm not sure yes, to do but, but I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Okay. Brandon Ayuk to you, Corinne. You want to tell us about your... Well, I Your thought about Drake London Ayuk. there, top of the board, gives me uh, a Falcons double. But part of me doesn't like that. I normally am all about correlation, but I'm kind of like, I don't have Kyler. I'm not doing any kind of um, game stack really on that game. Kyle, of course, who is, he does have Kyler, so that helps yeah. him out actually uh, to get a bring back there. But if I, if I had Kyler, then I think I would have been more open to going Pitts, London, because I'm betting on that to be the game, and I have two outs at getting the right bring back in Week 17, and hopefully Pitts is giving me a big advantage all season with the with the elite tight end. But without that, I'm like I'm just betting on the Cardinals, <laughs> or betting on the betting on the Falcons. Which 56 catches, 826 yards, five touchdowns last year for Ayuk, who picked it up late in the year after that miserable start. Go ahead, Kyle. Uh, this is has nothing to do with what's going sort of has something to do with what's going on right now. So I was walking my dog and I was like, I'll fire up a draft. Like she's a good walker. I'll just one hand leash, one hand draft. And uh, I was out like walking in the woods uh, and cell service goes out. I get auto drafted a bunch. I'm like, well, I guess this is a, a Seahawks double stack with Geno Smith and the value you can get on Geno Smith at, at pick 485 is really good. So if the Seahawks pass for 400 yards and also do that like two more times in weeks 14 or 15 and 16, uh, I will ship the DraftKings Millie Maker. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so we are, let's see, after this next picks by you guys, Kyle, you're now on the clock. At pick 88. You want to talk us through what you're thinking here? Uh, Sky Moore is really good at football. And I like Chiefs players. Uh, those two things add up quite well to me taking Sky Moore. <laughs> okay. And now, Corrine, it's you. I think I am going to go the double elite tight end route here because I kind of, I, so I took Ayuk because I wanted to give myself a chance at Lance coming back. Uh, that didn't happen. I currently have an unstacked Hertz. So I went ahead and took Goddard. Bully tight end. Let's go. <laughs> Since you guys have just picked, we're about 90 picks into this thing. We're going to take a very short break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. 
The NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Football Draft Guide is now available. Prep for your draft with the latest player rankings, projections, and more. We've got you covered for all league formats and draft strategies. Plus, it's powered by RotoWorld, the premier source for player news and fantasy information. For a limited time, take advantage of our preseason special and get the draft guide for $5 when you use promo code DRAFT5 at checkout on NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and NASCAR Circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesday and Thursday called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. We've returned. Picks have happened. Not many, though. Can Actually, we recap? Uh, we can recap both of our teams, but I was literally just curious what Karain has because I'm so focused on my picks, especially since we picked it's back to back. That I cannot yeah. focus on what Karain has. Yeah, yeah so, Karain, tell us what you got. So I've got Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Aaron Jones is still my only running back. Uh, we are about to finish the eighth round. Stefan Diggs, Deontay Johnson, Rashad Bateman. Got that little mini Steelers Ravens mini there with Deontay Johnson <laughs> and Rashad Bateman. Brandon Ayuk, unstacked, unfortunately. And then Kyle Pitts and Dallas Goddard. And Kyle, you want to rush through your, your squad so far? I have, let me see. I have Kyler Murray. I have a, a stack that I didn't realize I even like, wasn't paying attention to the fact that I have both Cam Akers and Austin Eckler. And as far as getting two running backs in the same game, I think the correlation is probably pretty uh, neutral, like not zero. It's probably still positive. Like the R square between two running backs in the same game is not nearly as high as like two wide receivers or quarterback opposing wide receiver. But Austin Eckler catches a lot of passes. Uh, so that works out really well. And I actually did just write up a best ball stacks article for week 17, but I also tried to throw in some of the 15, 16. And uh, whenever, which is very common, whenever the Chargers get run on, they pass for a lot of yards, which is like a relative level of intuitive sense. When teams are just running down your throat, you're probably playing catch up and trying to run, uh, trying to pass a lot. Uh, But man, he averaged like 315 yards, Herbert did, when his team gave up over 150 rushing. That happened a lot. Hmm. And they made some additions uh, to their defensive line, but it wasn't like they spent like multiple first round picks on it or anything. They didn't even make a massive splash signing specifically to the interior of the defensive line. So I actually really like getting Cam Akers. I'd more so rather have uh, one of the receivers or Herbert, but Eckler sort of fits that bill as well. I mean, it does as much as any running back can. Corrine, you'd mentioned you've only got Aaron Jones at running back. You know, we've just seen guys like you know, Damian Harris go, Kareem Hunt, uh, let's see, Kenneth Walker. Like, how long will you wait at this point on a running back? Do you have any you would target in this range? In the Yeah, there's game? there's kind of a – ah, Chase Claypool just went, who was – that's who I was hoping to get um, to add to that Steelers-Ravens thing. Uh, there's a tier here that's starting – that I think is pretty interesting, but I'm actually going to go ahead and take MVS about 10 picks after ADP, uh, chief in every draft, right? That's a <laughs> God bless believe, trademark uh, Davis Maddock, but the chief in every draft. Yeah. This is the tier that I like. So I usually skip the tier that just ended um, mm. unless like quarter Patterson falls, Kenneth Walker falls. There's some guys that I will take from the previous tier, but um, there's kind of like, the typical zero running back targets uh, like lead backs who, who people aren't that excited about, mm-hmm. um, but you know, are kind of interesting like Devin Singletary, Chase Edmonds, some guys who are going to be in committees, but we're thinking they're very talented like Rashad Penny, Ramondre Stevenson. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the clear contingent value guys like Alexander Madison are all here. So uh, I, I generally pepper a lot of picks at running back in this range. I want to hear the case for optimism for MVS um, coming off, you know, a very quiet season, of course. I mean, he, he always has his moments, but 430 yards, three touchdowns, 26 catches last year. Uh, what what does the move in your mind do for him? I don't think he has like a ton of upside as well, Kyle, why don't you, why don't you, I've got something to think through here as I'm trying to make this. <laughs> okay. This is perfect yeah, because I, I think I literally heard you say this on another show and the, the case for optimism, and this will I'll circle around to why I don't have very much MBS. The case for optimism is they paid him a decent amount of money. Uh, it was like mm-hmm. was three years, like 30 million, 20 and something million, something like that. Uh, a pretty hefty contract for a player who to this point hasn't done uh, much other than be a deep ball specialist. He's actually very good at that. But if you pay someone that much money and you have the exodus of targets just outflowing from your team, you probably anticipate him doing more. And I think optimistically, combining that deep threat uh, with Patrick Mahomes is awesome. And then maybe he can do more underneath. Uh, and we've already seen that, I think, in training camp. I don't know if we have a blurb up on it or not, but moving them all around the field. 
but I heard this from Corrine, and I, I do know this to be true now, but uh, we heard that exact same thing last year, that MVS can move all around the field. He's, he's going to really evolve into a do-it-all guy this year. And yeah. given how deep we are into his career, I, I assume it's four years, maybe even this will probably be fifth year, right? We probably know what he is. Like the, the fifth-year renaissance of a receiver becoming someone they have never been is rare. I don't think it's unheard of, like Cooper Cup kind of did that, right? But I, I mm. do think the the case for optimism, I think, is built on a little bit of shaky ground. Yeah, I, I mean, that is kind of the point I was making. It's like, you know, we've, yeah. we've been down the shore before. At the same time, I do think that MVS being MVS could be pretty interesting <laughs> with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Kevin Cole had some good research looking at quarterback aggressiveness and kind of mm-hmm. trying to put some numbers to like this thing I think we all know to be true, which is like Aaron Rodgers is like too conservative when his team is down. And one of the things he was he was able to show is that this mix of like underneath throws, you know, checking down a lot, taking kind of what the defense is going to give you on like, you know, running back type of checkdowns, that type of thing. Rodgers basically continues to do that as he's really down and he doesn't mm-hmm. push it downfield particularly deep throws over the middle and Mahomes is willing to do that Mahomes will push the ball downfield he will take those types of 50 50 shots in the situations where you want a quarterback to do that they're also a more fast-paced offense than the Packers they should also be a more pass first offense than the Packers so I do think you know while I'm still taking Sky Moore over MVS uh I think they're pretty close and so I, I actually sometimes, again, when I'm at the 11 or 12 spot, as I always am, I'll take both, you know, I'll take both. So uh, I, I don't think like MBS is going to morph into this league winning alpha. I think that's kind of kind of silly a little bit. But I also do think like MBS on the Chiefs might be more fun than MBS on the Packers. 30 million over three years, which I think you said, Kyle. Uh, is indeed. I probably threw out like four numbers, like one of these will cover. Yeah. It was one of them. It was one of the options you presented. Uh, let's see. Are we coming toward you guys? Yeah, it looks like we're about four picks away from Corain here. We're now at pick 124. We just saw Van Jefferson, Jarvis Landry, and Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson go off the board. A couple of the running backs you were talking about, Corain, you got one of them, Chase Edmonds, there with your last pick. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, taking Chase Edmonds on builds where like I really need the running back points mm-hmm. out of the gate. Um like if I had if I had two running backs by this point, I'm probably not taking Chase Edmonds. I might go to like a Ramondre Stevenson or something. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's like at least with Edmonds, we know he's going to be uh, the lead back in the committee week one. Uh, he's not going to score a ton of touchdowns, but uh, maybe he gets some touchdowns from you know outside the ten, and he should be involved as a pass catcher as well. And I think this offense might be. Decently efficient and uh, and fairly focused on the run. All right, now you are on the clock at one twenty eight. What's it going to be? Well, you know, I already have my chief, but let's get a second one, Ronald Jones. I'm you got to you got to stay on brand here. I, I was just <laughs> thinking other people in the draft may start to see that uh, see your username and think they need to take this guy <laughs> before you get him. I mean, it's Daily Rojo. So you got to take Rojo. Also, I feel like Kyle wasn't going to let Rojo come back to uh, my my pick in the twelfth. So, are you taking a lot have, of Rojo, Kyle? Uh, I haven't taken a ton, but I actually did have him queued up here. Uh, so I don't. I probably would have. Yeah, I picked before you again the next time coming mm-hmm. up. So I would have taken him at that spot, not here. That's what I was figuring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> amidst this draft, I realize I have a, a pretty glaring need at tight end, and though mm-hmm. uh, I think it's speculative, I don't want to say it's thin. It's just high uh, risk. Albert O compared to when I already have a chief as well, does work out for a little mini correlation there. And uh, I think the upside is incredible for basically anyone on Denver. I've been trying to stack up Denver just as much as I can. And I actually prefer to take the Denver, stack more Denver than Kansas City if I'm trying to stack that game. Because I do think you kind of brought this up earlier, is that like there's a situation where we get to the end and uh, you know just like everyone's scoring a ton of quarterback points to Patrick Mahomes and you end up like, if you have Patrick Mahomes, it doesn't like give you a ton of relative value. If, if Mahomes crushes season playoff or playoff, I keep calling them playoff, their best ball playoff games, best ball playoff, best ball playoff, it's going to be you and 260 other Mahomes teams duking it out. And you're just kind of flipping coins at that point. But if you end up needing Russell Wilson from that game and the Chiefs can still do great up until that point, 
but we see a great season from Russell Wilson and you need more of Denver, you probably are at a uh, like a relative advantage there because I think there will just be less of those type of teams. Yeah, that's interesting. That's what makes the game stack stuff so interesting, um, right? Because let's say you have Russell Wilson and then you also have a bunch of Chiefs coming back. You can kind of get there two ways. Like either the Broncos completely blow up and like you you only need one of those Chiefs but you, but you like have enough stabs and the chiefs aren't that expensive that you're probably not giving up that much. Um, so you get the, get the one, you get the right chief plus the right stack, but there's also scenarios where it's the chiefs that you need mostly, but like Russell Wilson rushes for a touchdown and ends up beating Mahomes by like five points. And you, you've got the chief stack. So you're along for that ride, but you also happen to have the quarterback on the other side. Kyle, you've just, uh, You've just taken from the Atlanta Falcons, rookie running back Tyler Algier. Your thoughts? Yeah, this was just a nod to you, Matt. I thought it would feel good it. to see a Falcon. I do. I feel great. Uh, no, I am actually, uh, I, I guess, I mean, in the context of this draft, like, I don't think it even, like, <laughs> I think when you think about it as, like, a, a DFS contest, because it's one almost season-long contest and DFS contest, very small field, DFS contest, small field, and then a final mid-size field, you know, 500, just under 500 on uh, underdog and for the millionaire contest and just under a thousand on drafting. So a little bit bigger there. Uh, like you don't really need to have like any level of conviction in specific players. If you're just mm-hmm. building rosters in intelligent ways, right in the way that if, and, and I think this would be kind of a rare, rare game to stack. If the Cardinals Falcons game goes nuts and both sides are scoring four plus touchdowns, it's not the most likely outcome. Chiefs should probably score. Chiefs Broncos should probably score more. But if that is the game that goes nuts, I'm probably in a very, very small percentage of teams who have stacked that game. People probably aren't stacking that much, right? I know we're all talking about it, but Best Ball Mania is a very, very, very big tournament. So does the DraftKings one. Uh, so realistically, us Best Ball nerds being you know shoved into closets uh, by jocks are actually a very small minority of the team. <laughs> putting us in closets? Just you know, somewhere out of sight. They can put us in lockers. lockers. But I have, yeah. a, I have a closet. I don't, I don't go to school, so there are no lockers around me. I had to go with what's closets, around. Yeah, that's all we got. Uh, I don't have jocks around. Bullying. Yeah, I was gonna say no one is. Uh, I'm like, I have to use something in my room. On your door. Yeah, exactly. As if someone's gonna like actually come and do this. But you think about the percent of people that are playing these contests, percent of lineups they're gonna be very heavily stacked on a game. It's not a ton. It's, you know, probably a few percentage points, maybe, you know, 10 or 15 of people are really, you know, the best ball content is really pl- proliferating. I-, I think a lot of that is simply going to be people like, I got to get my, uh, I got to get my Bills Bengals. I got to get my Chiefs Broncos. Mm-hmm. But if one of these mid tier or worst games goes off, you could be one of like three to 10 to 15 teams in a 500 person or thousand person contest who has it. And I think that is such a massive advantage to have, even if obviously it's not like the most likely to hit. The other thing about that strategy that I like is that let's say, okay, so you're now in a world where the Cardinals and the Falcons is the game you need, right? That's the week 17 game that goes nuts. Yep. In that world, the Falcons are probably better than we think they're going to be. Yep. So you don't necessarily need Tyler Algier to be like this massive week 17 piece, but like, the Falcons are going to have some value out of their backfield. Maybe that value helps get you to week 17 in the first place. Maybe Algier has a couple touchdowns in week 15 or something. So I think like there's just something to the idea of like, if you're stacking this game up, the Falcons, especially a game like this, the Falcons are going to need to push the Cardinals because the Cardinals, like one way to play this game would just be like James Conner and you're done. Right. Like, you know, the, you kind of need for Kyler to be the guy that you need in week 17. You probably need the Falcons to be not embarrassing. Yeah. We're talking about a guy who, I mean, obviously different situation, but 23 touchdowns in 13 games at BYU for Tyler Algier. I mean, the Falcons have talked up this guy as a guy who could become a workhorse for them. And it's given how they dialed back Cordero Patterson and may use him more as a receiver. It's not like he has a lot to hurdle to get there. I have a lot of Algier. I mean, I think you've talked me into getting more Algier than I initially had. All right. Daily Rojo has just taken Kenneth Gainwell. Is that a guy you're drafting a lot, Corinne? Uh, well, now I immediately regret it because Kyle took unstacked Daniel Jones, which I had taken <laughs> for uh, now. Kenny Galladay to set up. The same thing <laughs> Kyle's now going to do, which is that you get Daniel Jones and then you get Wando. You're just going to single stack Daniel Jones and Wando? God, God, Kyle. 
Uh, I think it's easier. I think I think you've talked about this too. That it's not. It's intuitive. It's the the Russian quarterbacks. Like he could have a mediocre season as a as a real life passer, but like. We know Daniel Jones is a good runner. He's like really athletic. Mm-hmm. He doesn't trip at the five yard line. So he's uh, gonna trip at the five yard line for you. I, I curse him. I, I curse Daniel Jones. I I, I got to say I will uh, I will find you if that happens like in the final round of West <laughs> Ball Mania. So good. He's he'll find you and down. stuff you in a closet. He will stuff you in a closet. Yeah, you, you can try. Uh, <laughs> I we have to. We need that. We need that. We need Daniel Jones. Week 17, best ball manias championship on the line, and he trips again. I mean, that would be <laughs> what a storyline. What a fantasy storyline. Incredible. Incredible. I'm bookmarking this moment right here. Let's file this one away. All right. We are now moving toward uh, pick 157 just happened. This looks like one Sammy Watkins of the Green Bay Packers just went off the board. We're two picks from you, Kyle. What's that, Corinne? I think Kyle has an interesting decision here. We're gonna, let me that? get let me get in the mind of Kyle right now. Yeah, let's do it. Tell us what Kyle's thinking. Well, Kyle's got uh, you know he's got three running backs. He's got Eckler, Cam Akers, Algier. That's all right. He could try to build up his stack with Daryl Williams on mm. Arizona. He could also go Alec Pierce because he's now got Daniel Jones. He's trying to set up a, a backdoor game stack of the Giants and the Colts in Week 17. So he could do that, or he could take Wondell Robinson who I am definitely going to snipe to go with Kenny Galladay. So you're not getting them, Kyle. You're now I'm sweating. <laughs> or am I messing with you? You did seconds. mess with me. But he, oh, he took Wandale. I looked down. There were still uh, a bunch of receivers ahead of him, but like they're actually receivers. I, I don't really have any affinity for uh, like relative to Wandale. They're all fine. I, I think they're like we're in a tier where, you know, wide receiver 60 versus wide receiver uh, 80 or whatever. There's probably so little difference in our ability to predict who is who. Uh, I did pass on David Njoku, who I now with Deshaun Watson's number of games played projection dropping and dropping and dropping, I feel less bad about passing on him. I need so, tight ends, too, is, is like the operative point here. I still only have one. Wandale Robinson to you, Kyle. A Karan, you took George Pickens. What What is the, for anyone who is kind of just tuning in or just just starting to pay attention again, what, what's the case for Wandale Robinson? Pat, you can make it because you sold me on it. I was like, eh, he's small. He's not super fast. Like, I'm not sure how the NFL is really going to fit him in. We saw the draft capital pickups. So I was like, well, they clearly have some idea in mind. And you know his profile is just unreal. Yeah, his profile is, like, shockingly good. Uh, yeah. He was he was a transfer uh, from Nebraska to Kentucky, uh, kind of this hybrid running back wide receiver type. But he was actually quite productive at both schools. And his career yardage share is fantastic. I believe 34 35% off the top mm-hmm. of my head. Um, and really, really strong production in his final year. He, at the combine, wasn't that athletic, and he's really small. So that mm-hmm. was the type of thing where you're like, ah, it's probably a day three guy, you know, one of these productive guys that we're going to leave the light on for. But to go in the second round, I think, is a big deal. Um, and then, obviously, with all the Kadarius Stone, Tony stuff, and maybe Tony's not even a slot guy. Maybe he's more of like a Z outside wide receiver, so maybe those guys aren't even mutually exclusive. Um, but then also, I mean – Kyle took Daniel Jones. If he doesn't get Wandale there, it's it's a little less exciting to have Jones. So yeah. I think it makes sense to reach a little bit for Wandale, especially when you have someone threatening you. What do you make of, I had these guys both queued up, David Njoku, who I, I wanted, yeah. but uh, Cameron Brait, actually, it was like, he's a player who will be, I think he'll be underdrafted for like another two weeks uh, just because mm-hmm. that's like literally how ADP updates and people like, I'm going to take him five picks ahead of ADP. I'm going to take him 10 picks ahead of ADP. But like <laughs> mm-hmm. when you start getting out of pick or like tight end 12, I can see an argument for it. He was like top. He was last year. He probably, I don't know if this is like technically credited, but he basically had five games, which would be starts that, that weren't with uh Gronk on the season. He was top 10 in red zone targets. He had like 20 red zone targets, which just blows my mind. The out red zone targeted everyone but Chris Goblin on that team now put him in, you know, the, a lesser version, but an important version of the Gronk role. Like, yeah, you might go out and get 400 yards from him on the season and you could still score like a dozen touchdowns. So I'm not like dying to get him once uh, we're about a month out from the Gronk news, but I still think we haven't reached equilibrium because he just went, you know, pick one sixty something. How much do you, 
think about, you can jump in here, Corrine, uh, but just how much do you think about the eventuality of Gronk potentially returning when you think about a guy like Cam Braid as well? But go ahead, Corrine. I, I do, I do think is. about it. Uh, I do think about it because, like, Gronk is, I think he said in, like, interviews before, like, yep, I don't want to be at training camp. It is not an enjoyable experience. Uh, and maybe that's part of the price factoring in right now. Maybe that's why I'm saying, like, he's going to keep going up and people are expecting Gronk to return. Like, I think it's a, a good bet worth making in a, you know, in a contest like this, where like you are going to need something close to a super team. Yeah. I mean, I sure hope he comes back because I did draft some Gronk. Oh, uh, it would be financially, <laughs> especially since I'd get right here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have, uh, you know, I, I don't care if you know who I have. I have like Julio Jones queued up, right? Because I'm like, Julio Jones can sign anywhere. He will not go wide receiver mm-hmm. 68 or whatever. It's Julio Jones. And even though he was, not good last year. He's also not healthy in the slightest last year. If you want to get like in betting terms, closing line value, a uh, player more often than not, like Julio Jones, who we don't have any, I don't think we have any threats of retirement. Like I will be taking a lot of him now. And then when he goes up in price, I probably won't take much of him. But I thought the same thing with Gronk and I was wrong there probably. No, I, I think Julio Jones is playing. And I think the fact that he's free is ridiculous. Uh, I have a I have a bunch of Julio Jones. There's some players that I've like... Well, not in this. Well, I could take him. Uh, I don't. I don't actually plan to right now. But, um, I mean, he is free. He's totally free. Like you just at the seventeenth round, you're like, oh yeah, holy, I'll get him. Yeah, like um, you know, just the best receiver of the twenty tens. Like I get, we're not there anymore in the twenty teens. I get, we're not there anymore. We're not that far removed that this would be like Larry Fitzgerald coming out of retirement. I'm like, okay, he's not going to hardly play. Like I still think there's some semblance of talent left in Julio freaking Jones, right? Right. Yeah. I think one of the one of the edges right now in fantasy is like you know we're we're in this era of like everyone's using really good projections. People are thinking through the game theory stuff, but there there's something to like guys who have disappointed. I, I think that like if you if you were a and, and this is kind of the Zach Ertz thing from last year, where I was like I was hammering Zach Ertz because I was like Zach Ertz was really good, then he was drafted like he was going to continue to be really good, then he was bad. And now everyone's like, Zach Ertz is dead. He's, he's useless. He provides no value. And it's like, there's a step between those things. <laughs> I think that's kind of what happened with Julio. Where it's like, he, when he got traded to the Titans, people were like, this is going to be, you know, it, it's Julio. It's Julio. Like, you know, yeah. AJ Brown, Julio, like this is going to be. We still thought Tannehill be, was good then too. Yeah. Like they, this might change who the Titans are a little bit. Like this is going to be fun. And then it was not fun, and now people are like, doesn't matter where he goes, he's done. And I, I don't think he's done. It just seems like the, I mean, yeah, can he can he stay on the field? Obviously, it's just a massive question. He averaged 14 yards per reception last season, but only played in 10 games. I mean, he's been fighting the hamstring, seemingly the same hamstring injury for like three years now. It's, it's nuts. Just need that hamstring uh, firing on week 17. That's all. That's all we need. <laughs> Look, sit him at, literally at this price, uh, assuming, you know, we get him at pick 180, whatever, 190, whatever, sit him out for 15 games and let him come back for the final two rounds because it's so cheap. See, that's greedy, Kyle. You want him for the last two rounds? That's greedy. You, you, <laughs> A little yeah. money. You're tempting fate that he pulls it in week 16. Put him in bubble wrap until week 17. <clears throat> Kyle, you're on the clock at pick 184. You said you need a tight end before. I think you still need one. Is that what we're doing here? Uh, yeah, I will. I, I don't really think like Evan Ingram is that good, but he's shown an ability to draw targets, and uh, like he's probably still better than like Dan Arnold or something. So, uh, and who's like I think we are well below. Yeah, we're we're well below his ADP here, which I think also is like sort of a like I don't think you should just like on average draft highest ADP with some like positional fits. Like you will probably build a team that has like a good, maybe a good advance rate and then will probably fall off quickly. But like one way to get a unique team is to simply find, you have to find the draft, right? Where you get all of these players who hopefully correlate at below market price. And uh, I keep coming back to things. I think I've heard Karain say, but we think about this game in a similar way is that like, I'm willing to, and this doesn't really relate to the tight end too much, uh, but I'm willing to like push my stacks, like try and get, uh, you know, a certain player on the other side of the turn. I could take him at 20, what, 22, right? But I want to get him at 24 because there's probably a team out there that does that. There will be a team that catches all the falling values 
and they will build a team that is just like 3% better than yours. So you want to like, I'm almost willing to not burn some teams, but take some teams that uh, lose some upside. Cause I got aggressive with trying to like, or I got maybe conservative is the right word. I got uh, two value finding, right? I was trying to build a super team and I ended up getting burned, but I'm willing to burn some of my teams, right? Throw away some teams that ultimately aren't that good to find one team that is the best. It's sort of the opposite of like, I want to push a lot of teams through. I want to advance a lot of teams. I don't mm-hmm. care if I advance a lot of teams, if I advance some really monster teams. Yeah, I think one thing to do with that type of stuff is to try to build in backdoor stacks. So I, I actually got to a point here where I ended up taking Pickett now, um, like way mm-hmm. ahead of ADP in the 16th. Um, just because I was like, at this point, I'm like, well, now I'm just getting cute. And I didn't like anybody ahead of the board looked pretty gross to me. So I just uh-huh. went ahead and, and took Pickett based on my positional needs. Um but Pickett was not someone I was planning to take in this draft. You know, I was hoping to get Lance. I was there was, uh, I was hoping to get Daniel Jones. So I'd set up some uh, some other stacks that I liked better that didn't come through. But I have Pickett double stacked Deontay Johnson and George Pickens with Rashad Bateman mm-hmm. coming back. So this was not a stack that I planned. It was a it was like my third uh, stack that I tried to set up as as a secondary stack with Jalen Hurts being my primary. Um, and I have him with Goddard and Kenneth Gainwell. But if you're like building little minis throughout, then, you know, you're like, well, the Daniel Jones thing didn't work out. Tack on Pickens, get Pickett. Now you have yourself a game stack. Guys, we are approaching pick 200. How many roster spots do you guys have left to fill? Two. We're down to two, right? Down to two. Down to two. Down to two. All right. And, uh, positional biggest biggest positional needs at this point do they do they exist for either of you at this point what, what's your biggest hole i probably still need tight ends i took t- a tight end not uh two tight ends but i have albert okui boonham and uh, evan ingram i think okui boonham could be very good i think uh he has a lot of potential talent like he had a good profile coming out of college he's been relatively efficient in very small samples like you would hope he would get on the field more early but he also had a really good tight end in front of him and no fan and more importantly, he's got Russell Wilson, like efficiency God throwing to him. So I like the upside, I like the sort of bifurcated outcomes where like a lot of times he splits 50, 50 with Greg Dulcich and you have a very not worthwhile pick. And then some of the times he plays every snap for just a, a super elite quarterback. And I'm fine taking that kind of risk. Evan Ingram is just like a floor play at ADP. And I, I actually crane, you got me thinking about this, about the backdoor stacks. I have a uh, part of, I have the giant side of their week 17. So I added, Big six seven the giant Moali Cox. Athletics. Nice. Former college basketball like player. Corrine, you ended up taking Julio there at uh I did take Julio. Kyle said he wasn't coming back. I didn't even look for him when I was looking at Pickett, but uh and also frankly, I don't need any more Julio. So better to I think get get my double stack locked in with Pickett, but god damn, I mean Julio's <laughs> in the nineteenth in the I'm nineteenth round, thinking I'm on DK. In the 17th round here, 1708, he is playing somewhere. Like Jameson Crowder is going in like the 11th round because he's, he's, I mean, he might not even be the wide receiver three, but he is in Buffalo. You know, like Julio lands on a good offense. We don't even need the role to be locked in. He'll probably be in a 12th or 13th round pick. And then if he's on a bad offense, we're still going to be able to project volume. Jarvis Landry is going way ahead of Julio. Like, mm-hmm. there's, I mean, he has to retire, and he's not retiring, right? I mean, God help me if he retires. <laughs> to the to the point of, is it still in there? And, it, you know, uh, researchers remind us that he had a six-catch, 140-yard game as recently as week two of last season. It's definitely still in there, guys. The magic is still there. By the way, speaking of uh, extremely talented wide receivers who are basically free, what about Odell Beckham Jr. at 197? Is that a – do you have similar interest as you do to Julio? Some, but he's coming off an ACL tear in the Super Bowl, yeah. which makes it less appealing. Right. Yep, that's totally my my opinion. Especially, like, they're going so similar to each other. I'll take the one who, like, is... I say that I'll take the one who's going to play the whole season as if we haven't seen Julio not play whole seasons. I'll take Kyle, the one who... Have you taken Mark Ingram at all? Have I taken... Uh, I forget he exists all the time, and then I see him and think I absolutely should take him. Because we see this every single year, is that it's wow. been Mark Ingram and it's been Latavius Murray. These complete... I don't want to say nobody's. They're perfectly fine players, but they're just middle of the road. They're just perfectly acceptable guys. And Alvin Kamara goes down, and they they turn into like Marshall Falk. Uh, so I, I do think you should be taking Mark Ingram, and I need to get more Mark Ingram before I'm on a show pumping up his price, which is happening right now. 
You pumped him up on my team. I think I took him with my last pick. It's good because I, I had so my decision there was I have, I had Jalen Hurts with Goddard and Gainwell, but no Saint. So I was like, yeah, you know, that make maybe a weakish correlation. But the, let's say it's, it's a rich sure. scoring environment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, I've got Chris Evans with someone I was thinking about there uh, to pair with my Digs pick to start off the draft that makes more sense right he's kind of the the pass catching uh running back hopefully for the Bengals. uh some correlation with digs so those are the two guys i was thinking through but i don't know i mean ingram also i think like my view of of camara getting suspended like maybe ingram helps me out in the beginning of the season and then that week 17 correlation isn't isn't bad just as we talked about me not thinking too much about Alvin Kamara getting suspended, I know it's a possibility, but it doesn't come to the forefront of my mind when thinking about his ADP. Uh, it probably isn't being factored in nearly enough for uh, Mark Ingram, who I was already pumping. You guys have both made your last pick, right? The rosters are yes. complete now. Mm-hmm. So let's let's quickly go through the uh, the finished product here and uh, let us know. Can you guys? Can you? Are you guys able to pull them up? Yeah, we don't have to have them on the screen share. As long as you guys can right. pull them up. I got my team right up here. Uh, so wow. I have Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones just took two quarterbacks. I find myself taking a lot of three quarterback, three tight end teams on DraftKings. You just have so many extra spots, like avoiding zeros uh, in those spots. Like, yeah, I think that makes sense more so than it does, obviously, on underdog, where you have to be a little more risky with your spots. Then I have Austin Eckler, Cam Akers, Tyler Algier, and Daryl Williams at running back. Mike Evans, Marquise Brown, Devonta Smith. Drake London, Sky Moore, Garrett Wilson, Rondale Moore, lots of Morris, and you should generally, all the players that are more are good. Uh, that is just yeah. like a blanket statement I think you can make. That's a good takeaway. Wandale, Nico Collins, and at tight end, I have Albert O, Evan Ingram, and Mo Ali Cox. What's, what stacks did you end up with there? Uh, so I have a big game stack on the um, Arizona Atlanta game. I have Chargers, Rams, I have the, the LA Bowl with Austin Eckler, Kim Akers. Uh, I ended up getting that Daryl Williams. He fell, you told me about that, and he fell back to like the whole another sweep of, of rounds. So I more of that Arizona game. Um, what else do I have? Oh, I have the Giants, a smaller stack, but it involves the quarterback too, of the Giants and um, uh, Giants Colts, cool. right? And then I, I, I mean, at this point, I kind of think about, you know, people are showing like data of like, how did the stacks do in week uh, 17 or whatever for best mm. ball teams? Like, did you really intentionally mean to stack Nico Collins and Evan Ingram because you remember that Jacksonville plays Houston? I did, but that will happen by random chance. So I wouldn't really count that as like stacking. Are you really We're sick enough it. to do that on purpose? Yes, I am. But <laughs> yes, I am. Counting it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> most people do what I do on purpose on accident. <laughs> uh all right, I had Jalen Hurts, Kenny Pickett at quarterback. Um, I think pushing it a little bit to Kyle's point on the the two quarterback builds. That's like a pretty risky two quarterback build, but I'm going to need Hurts in almost every week anyway. And then mm-hmm. uh, making the bet that Pickett has that job uh, in short order, which I think is a decent bet. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, Chase Edmonds, Ronald Jones, Kenneth Gainwell, Mark Ingram at running back, kind of a classic hero running back with Aaron Jones as the hero. Uh, I feel okay with just five here because I think Edmonds and Ronald Jones are like decent bets to kind of mix in for usable points throughout the year. They're not really contingent guys. And then Gainwell, maybe maybe the higher upside swing. Uh, and then Stefan Diggs, Deontay Johnson, Rashad Bateman, Brandon Ayuk, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Kenny Galladay, George Pickens, KJ Hamler, Julio Jones. So yeah, with there, I've got a little mini with Marcus Valdez-Scantling and KJ Hamler. I've got the double stack with Pickens to go with Rashad Bateman coming back. Um, I do not have any wide receivers to go with Jalen Hurts, but I did get Dallas Goddard at tight end and then Kyle Pitts. And what games that mean you have stacked? I have the Eagles, uh, kind of an unconventional double with Kenneth Gainwell and Dallas Goddard, and then Mark Ingram in that game. I've got uh, the the Pittsburgh um, Ravens game as well. Yeah. And then a little mini with the, the Ronald Jones, I guess it's more than many because I got Ronald Jones and Marcus Valdez mm-hmm. Scantling and KJ Handler. Have you been getting a lot of that uh, that Pittsburgh Baltimore games? Like Pittsburgh Baltimore in the middle of December, uh, no matter where it is, is outside. Right? I think outside. I don't think either of them play inside. Uh, it doesn't sound like the most uh, interesting game, but I do think like both teams could be experiencing a lot of turnover, a lot of volatility. 
uh, which I think is interesting, right? We have no Marquise Brown, which could mean a lot of work for Rashad Bateman. Uh, if you want to target the running backs, we could see a lot of rushing increase from the Baltimore side. And then just going from dusty old Ben Roethlisberger to Kenny Pickett, uh, I think could be a, a pretty big difference. So I don't think it's the most interesting game, but these are two teams that have a lot of potential to be very different than what we've seen. And uh, like the market might not be pricing that in. I don't do that game a ton. Like I, the one I do a ton of is, is uh Casey Denver because how it's original. like, I know it's not original, but it's cheap throughout the draft. And yeah. can you imagine getting a team into week 17 and it doesn't have that game? And then that game goes off. <laughs> like, no, that's like, you know, it's like, that's going to be for sure going to be the spot <laughs> in like DFS where everyone's like, can I play 20% own Russell Wilson? He's thrown 12 touchdowns yeah. in the past three games. Uh, and you will just have that super team stacked already loaded up. You won't even need to play in DFS. So I have been doing that one too. I just try and get it a lot from the Denver side. Cause I think there's more room for like growth as a team. Obviously they just got Russell Wilson. So. Yeah. I, I think with the, the Ravens one, it's more about like kind of how it falls. Like Deontay Johnson, I got him basically at ADP, like one pick past ADP. Um, so I didn't really get like any huge values uh, on any of them. Rashad Bateman at three picks past ADP, but it just kind of happened to like, like I was like, Deontay feels like the last wide receiver in a tier. Mm-hmm. So, and then, like I said, I set that up as a mini. I like Bateman a lot. Wasn't planning on making that a game stack. In fact, I realized after uh, the draft that what I should have done instead of trying to set up Daniel Jones in a giant stack, which he ruined, <laughs> uh, I should have gone, I had Chase Edmonds. I should have gone Jacoby Myers and played the uh, New England-Miami game instead and played for Mac Jones. Um, and I, I think I might have ended up liking that a little bit more because Mac Jones, you can always tackle on Kendrick Bourne. Uh, you, so that game's kind of a little bit easier to to stack up and maybe, I don't know, it's kind of another gross game, but um, <laughs> the prices are so good that that maybe you can kind of get there. That's I think that's one of the other things, right? It's like if we thought about this in DFS terms, you have to think about the – the draft capital is kind of being the salaries. Yeah. So it's like, especially let, let's say that Miami New England game, everyone in it is so cheap that it's kind of like putting in a bunch of like $4,000, $5,000 guys. Like if you're putting them in on a DraftKings lineup, um, whereas like that LA bowl, you know, it's kind of like everyone's priced, like, you know, Cooper cups, $10,000, like takes a ton of your salary to get those guys in. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I want to stack uh, Kelsey Mahomes. I know you don't want this, but like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Sky Moore. I want to get all of them in my lineup. We only have so many picks in the first whatever rounds. Bills are, you know, a great example. With Gabe Davis's price rising. Like, it is very difficult to get all the bills you want. So at some point, you will have four, five, maybe players from a game, maybe six or seven, right, from one of the good games, right? One of five, four good games, whatever it happens to be. And you'll say, okay, that fills out like, you know, two receiver spots on my lineup, a running back spot quarterback uh but you still have a lot of other spots to fill and you i think at least it's advantageous to just find we, we both did it find two or three other games that like you, you don't need the you don't need the game to score 60 right because you got the guys in the 14th and 15th round so i love that that's uh you know that's why i wanted to set up like the, the daniel jones stuff i don't need that game to go absolutely nuts i i hope it's arizona for my team but i would like it to score i don't know hits the over and gets to 48 points one last player I wanted to ask about that I didn't get a chance to ask about is a guy you drafted, another late receiver, Crane, and that's KJ Hamler at 176. What are your thoughts on him? I want to hear both of your thoughts on him quickly before we go. I mean, I'm drafting, I am drafting a lot of KJ Hamler. He's kind of become, there was, well, I think it was two years ago, the 2020 season, where Eno Benjamin had this crazy high win rate, even though he scored like no fantasy points. Literally because, none. They scratched him for almost every game, I think. Yeah. <laughs> He was on the Ross. He was like the last round pick of like all kind of these, like, I think pretty sharp drafters. Uh, the, you know, the win rate would say so. The win rate proves the, you. The win rate would out. say so. Uh, structural drafters, guys really kind of thinking through the game theory elements of this. And KJ Hamler is kind of uh, carrying that banner this year. Um, I, I think his, his points are irrelevant to his win rate at this point, seeing, <laughs> seeing who's drafting him. So I'm on board with that. And partly it's the player profile, which I think is pretty interesting. You know, a very productive, early to clear, mm-hmm. deep threat uh, who now gets to play with Russell Wilson. It's crowded in terms of the like targets that you're going to be able to project him for for like the entire season. But like, I don't necessarily need him to have this huge target share given the player archetype because, again, spike weeks are, are the goal here. And then 
it's that game, the game I can't stop trying to get pieces of. I already got mm-hmm. MBS and Rojo. If you're coming to that tier of wide receivers and you're looking at two Chiefs, no Bronco, it is hard not to take KJ Hamler at that point. So uh, he was an easy click. Yeah, I don't have nearly as much because I think he probably in most seasons he played out a, a million times gets blocked out by tim patrick who's like quietly been pretty good over the yeah. past two years uh i mean this is from and we may get uh you know fined or canceled for referencing davis maddock multiple times on one show but from his twitter account i want to take credit for it was he's led uh in half ppr scoring he's led the broncos pass catchers in fantasy points per game each of the past two years and they've had good players on those teams so it is uh pretty impressive well, he Davis coined him, Tim Patrick as the inconvenient truth, which is it, where I thought you're going there. It, yeah, it, it is quite inconvenient when you think about like I like KJ Hamler's profile, but um, mm-hmm. Patrick's been good, good for the team, and they rewarded him with I believe three or thirty million. I think it was like the exact same yeah. thing as uh, you know the MVS contract. And we talk about how much that meant for the Chiefs. They gave they gave him the bag. They gave Patrick the bag. It's only five million a year off what they gave Cortland Sutton. So uh, team likes him. He's been really productive relative to his teammates over two years. Uh, but all it takes is like a single injury for Hamler to get in or Patrick's not as good as we thought or something like that. So, and it, the thing we talk about is price. He's super cheap and he has good profile. Right. And he plays for a team that I want to stack a lot of. So I think he probably block gets blocked out most times, but the times he doesn't could be very good. Speaking of drafts, Kyle, I believe you did one of these last year at the old fantasy football expo, if I'm not mistaken. I did. I went full zero RB for that team. I think, you know, we only, you know, we don't have all the time in the world. We only, I did like 10 rounds and I almost didn't take a running back through the entire quote draft, the 10 rounds that we did. I, I got, I think it took Michael Carter. I, someone needs to pay me out for that league. I don't think it was, we didn't do it for money, but uh, yeah, it was like complete zero RB in the crowd. They just loved it. They didn't love it. Yeah. <laughs> I was didn't asked, love it at all. Uh, how he would approach the draft if he was taking it seriously. That is correct. I was asked if I was being serious, and I was. So tune in for the, me being a, a uh, bit of a, a clown. Well, that is coming up August 12th through 14th in Canton, Ohio. NBC Sports Edge is one of the sponsors. To learn more, go to thefantasyfootballexpo.com. The promo code NBC Pass gives 20% off all of the packages. Uh, all right, fellas, before we go, anything you would like to mention on NBC Sports Edge that you're working on or that you have coming up? I'll, I'll uh, mention the team preview series, which you definitely should be checking out. I mm-hmm. had the Bengals come out on Tuesday. I think the fun thing about the team preview stuff is you, you got to dive deep into the weeds, see if you can dig up yeah. anything, see if you can change your own opinion. You know, mm-hmm. you're not just mm-hmm. like, I think this, but but is this right? I convinced myself that maybe Zach Taylor isn't quite as much of a donkey as we were painting it to be. So we'll see. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But I but I actually defended Zach Taylor a tiny bit in my Bengals preview. A hero sticking up for a man. No one else will stick up for. <laughs> I have just a, I think I've talked about this in the past three shows, a best ball week 17 article about stacking different teams, trying to get unique mm-hmm. with your stacks uh, that I've teased for weeks and weeks and weeks. Keep putting it off. It is literally out right now. It is not coming up. Wow. It is out so you can read that. Wow. Don't sound so surprised. All right. I do my work sometimes. No, I, I feel like we buried the headline. We should have led with that. The article's finally out. It's a, it's a big deal, Kyle. <laughs> Can we name yeah. the show? The article's finally out. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. All right, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us. Crane, Kyle, thanks to you guys. I'll see you next week. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.